So let's try that again. I can't speak today. I'm having issues. I need to be able to see. Okay, get your little gingers out, man. Mm. You're supposed to be used to this by now. It's like I episode know. 75. I know, but you know what the problem is? Is that uh, we took some days off and now we're out of we're out of sick, we're out of flow. Very true, very true. In any case. Peeps, this is Alyssa, and I'm here with my co-host and faux little bro, Andre. And welcome to another episode of Teachers Like Us. So, peeps, February is a few days away, and we know what that means. It's Black History Month. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Power to the people, <laughs> black fist, and all of that. Stop it. I'm going to give you guys a brief history, and this time it'll actually be brief. Um, but it's something that you may want to explore a little more in depth with your students. So on February 7th, 1926, Carter G. Woodson, Woodson, Carter G. Woodson launched Negro History Week, and that has since evolved into Black History Month. The goal was, and still is, to help African-Americans discover a history which has been eclipsed and buried by white mainstream culture. To be honest, um, unlike Andre's whoop whoop, I cringe a little every February because It's not that I don't love the celebration of black excellence, because believe me, I do. But I know that this is the time when well-meaning teachers do dumb things like. (laughs) Don't say dumb. That's so mean. No, I am. I am standing by dumb and it's going in the podcast. (laughs) Understand this. Well-meaning teachers, you do dumb things like slavery reenactments. Okay. okay. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. So dumb. I stand by dumb, okay? And again, I know you don't mean to hurt anybody and you think you're being inclusive and, um, what is it, like interactive? And mm-hmm, you, you and think engaging. Engaging, right? All of these things, but you're not being hella racist and it's <laughs> making all of us upset. You sound like you've been through some personal experiences. You know what? Like I'm- yesterday or something like that that's making you feel this way. All right. You know what? The way Andre's talking right now, he's making it seem like this is a thing of the past. Like this is not stuff that is still happening recently. And luckily I came prepared today. Okay. okay. So I'm going to some things that I wrote down. In 2018, Texas eighth graders were asked by their teacher in the States um, to list the positive aspects of slavery. Yes. And I remember around that time, too, something had come up about um, kids being asked to reenact like a lynching or something like that in All the right. States. In March 2019, yes. a New York teacher singled out African-American students and cast them as slaves in a mock auction. I use that in air quotes as part <laughs> of a social studies lesson. Mm-hmm. OK, that's two. You're trying to be engaging. All right. And <laughs> I wish I could say that these problems were just a U.S. issue. It's going to get personal now. So those of you who, who go to our school and you listen to this podcast, it's about to get real. Mm-hmm. Last year, we had an email go out with a slave game, a slave yes. game. Yes, oh my goodness, That yes. was sent around to our staff as a try this Try exercise. this super engaging game. Ooh, it's fun and exciting. I've nope. done it in my class for years. Absolutely not. No, that's not how no, it was sent. You're boosting. <laughs> it wasn't sent like that. It was sent as a, like, I found this awesome thing online. Mm-hmm. Everybody should try this. Yes. And I was like, oh, hells to the no. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Um, so again, I know everyone's out there listening, but like, this stuff is real and it's happening and that makes me nervous. Yeah, and I think that's why we even came together and it's like, yeah, we need to do this episode because 
we're noticing some things and we're like, no, what yeah. are you doing? No, please stop. <laughs> stop the train wreck. Yes. <laughs> and um, we got to get into this space now. It's just, I think what's going to be hard is for us to try and figure out to t- how to tell people what is the right Oh, way. no, no. I came prepared today. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I've got. The scholar is ready the today. The scholar is ready. <laughs> I'm on my game today, but I was going to save that till the end. Okay, okay. So... What are some things that you've done in your classroom over the years that you really liked? The thing that I've done that I find is super generic and I'm still trying to change it even now is I've had my students look up some black Canadians and look at some things that they've accomplished in society and kind of push that envelope further just to let people know that, again, there's more people out there doing things in our world than um, just the people that get brought up all the time that, that live in the United States. So not everything is Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. We have our own people here in Canada as well that have done some amazing things. You know what? Sometimes I actually adore you because you segued right into what I want to talk to <laughs> without me having to say it. So just last week um, was Martin Luther King Day. Yes. And as per usual, my favorite social media platform, Instagram, was filled with inspirational quotes about Martin Luther King. And every the one that I see everywhere that actually drives me insane is the darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light, light can, can do, do that. that. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm over it. Do you want to know why <laughs> I'm over it? And I have to say this before you bring this into your classroom for Black History Month. Um, I hate that it is used against black people to tell us how to dismantle white supremacy. So when we see things that are inequitable or we see things that you know aren't um, kind of helping our plight as black people, it's tone policing the way we go about it. Cause they're like, well, you could be a little nicer. nicer you know, yeah. if you were, if, if you used a better word, then I wouldn't be offended and I could make change. Uh, no, do you, oh gosh. Okay, you know what, let's talk. Let's, <laughs> we gotta talk. You can so, tell already she's uh, super heated. No, I'm heated today. <laughs> Because I have a class. I'm again, we've talked about me doing my MED. I'm doing an intro to critical studies course. This should be the first course that you take um, in your MED for critical studies, but because um, we can do it in any order, I just, it's available now, I'm taking it now, whatever. But a lot of people in this class are, oh gosh, beginner's not even the word, like, are are sitting comfortable in their privilege and so much so that it's coming out in some of my lessons and literally I am like beside myself because we have people who don't understand kind of their um, positionality mm-hmm. and where they're sitting and they're the types of people that are bringing in these like reenactment type lessons into their class and then seeing that nothing's wrong with it at and, all yeah absolutely like I'm calling it out and they're like you know what I think we should use a different word for privilege because the word privilege um, is triggering for some people and it makes them get uncomfortable and then what's going to happen then then no one will change but that's exactly what it's supposed to do so most of make you say oh yeah I, I am privileged i need to change right i am so over other people being offended by the word privilege since when is it my job or our students jobs as marginalized students and people to make you feel comfortable about the whackness that you are doing and yeah i'm using whackness today. Like, that <laughs> is how i i just feel so annoyed that we are constantly telling black people 
how to articulate that something is wrong. Yeah. Like it has to be said in such a way that makes you feel comfortable enough to make change. Yeah, and I feel like that happens all the time, whether it has to do with, like, as you were saying before, how we speak or how we dress or how we, um, things that we do with our hair to make sure that we are seen as either acceptable or the things that we have to do to essentially tone ourselves down so to make people, I don't know, like us or even want to listen to us at, at all. Um, stay tuned for next week's episode all about hair. Yeah. Because it is. Like, I'm just, I don't even know how how to articulate um, how insidious and pervasive whiteness is. And I don't mean that being white is bad. And I think that's where people um, kind of mistake us or get offended is they think that by us saying, you know what, there's a real problem, mm -hmm. um, there's a real systemic problem um, with the the acts of power that are kind of afforded or ascribed to whiteness. So when you're white, um, and again, I understand that, again, white privilege makes people um, touchy, and it's because people think, well, just because I'm white doesn't mean I've had an easy life, and that's not what we're saying. Mm -hmm. The idea is that your life hasn't been made more difficult because of whiteness. You can watch TV and nine times out of 10, you are seeing your face. You look at yes. billboards, um, they're your faces out there. And yeah. I remember going to Jamaica for the first time when I was, oh gosh, I want to say like 18 even, maybe even 20. Like it was pretty late in life. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember looking at the billboards and being shocked to see black faces everywhere. I was like, oh my God gosh like look at all their billboards there's black people on their billboards like <laughs> i was literally stunned and now when i think back i'm like how sad is it that i thought that was a novelty to see someone that looked like me on a billboard yeah that you have to take a four-hour flight to go see somebody that looked like you that's ridiculous right um and i feel like the people that are still thinking that these conversations are making them uncomfortable are really the ones that have to kind of take a look at themselves and say, okay, hey, I know I didn't, I didn't own slaves, so nobody's angry at me for, for owning and beating black people, but hey, um, my privilege is there. Mm -hmm. I benefit and from- I, Yeah, I benefit from certain things. Generational wealth, even though, again, you may not be rich, but you have to understand that if we're looking, historically speaking, and again, something that you may want to bring into your classroom, um, when Europeans uh, colonized what is now Canada, um, they were promised, like when they brought people over from Europe, they were promised land mm -hmm. and money, which they got. And a lot a of lot land. Of it. Yes, exactly. Uh, the same thing happened with black loyalists that came up from the States who mm -hmm. were already part of the transatlantic slave trade. So they had already been slaves. They were then freed. Um, if they promised to fight in the war for the British, they fought. They were then like, hey, come to Canada. We've got land and money for you here. Mm -hmm. That happened. They came up, um, many of them settling in Nova Scotia, except they weren't given the land or the money. So that's kind of, when we talk about systemic barriers or systemic issues, it's that idea that maybe something wasn't handed to you exactly, but the people who benefited from it most often were white people. Yes. So things that you have to understand. And I think that's um, what might be hard to bring into the classroom. 
Yeah. Especially I, if you are a white teacher having to teach marginalized children. is How do I say to you kids, hey, society and the system has made it so that I am better than you? Or that I think I'm or better that than you. Or, or, yeah, if that's what I think, <laughs> that I think that I'm better than you and I've been taught my whole life that I am better than you. How do you now, once you understand, like, that kind of mindset of somebody, you can see why we start to see these certain dumb things that come up in <laughs> classrooms. Because if you're not taking into account what your privilege is, or even if you are not that um, typical Eurocentric teacher, even if you're a marginalized teacher, if you're still not taking in the fact that the curriculum itself is built to benefit a certain um, superior race, then how do I now bring in these things not only in February? <laughs> okay, so once again, man, we're just like in sync today. Yep, yep. So I will get into my, I came up with three ways, and these are my three ways. If Andre, you have a different three ways when I'm finished, mm -hmm. then add those. Okay. But here are my three ways to start off Black History Month right. right. I need like a <laughs> din din, like a. <laughs> <laughs> some theme music. <laughs> some theme music, okay? So number one, start in September. Ah, uh, if I you're like waiting it. till February to introduce black uh, people, the black experience, whomever um, into your curriculum, you're too late. And then the thing I was thinking about is, did you know that we're everywhere? Mm -hmm. And when I say that we're everywhere, I am talking about black people exist in every community. There is not one community now that does not have someone black a part of it. So I just pulled up a few examples. Uh, Naomi Osaka, right? Okay. Japanese and Haitian. So tennis player um, is playing for Japan in the Olympics mm -hmm. um, and renounced her American citizenship and is by all accounts Japanese, but is black, like mm -hmm. is half Haitian. Malcolm X, black Muslim, right? There are black Muslims out there. Um, whenever people think of Muslims, they automatically think Middle Eastern. Middle Eastern, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, black Muslims exist. Uh, Tia and Tamara, everyone's favorite sister-sister <laughs> twins. The favorite light skins, yes. Right? <laughs> they are black and white and were born in Germany. So, again, we exist in Europe, too. Um, and Scary Spice, Mel B from... Um, Spice Girls. The Spice Girls. Colors of the world, spice up your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taking um, trips down memory lane. Yeah, right? right? Like uh, Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana. Mm -hmm. uh, she is Afro Latinx. So I think she is um, Dominican and Puerto Rican, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So yeah. Andre Mattressing. Hey, I was going to say, oh, is my name going to come up? Your name is in there. <laughs> um, Black, whose grandfather moved to Jamaica from India, right? Yep. So that's where the mattressing comes from. Yes, it does. So again, Black Indians, we, we exist too. Um, and me, <laughs> me, Jamaican, English, and Mi'kmaq. So indigenous, Afro-indigenous uh, groups exist too. So we're everywhere. You can't run from us. And we're fast too. Yeah, and the that means that you can stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> and that means you can bring us up no matter when. You do not have to wait till February to celebrate us when we are everywhere. That's right. So that was number one. It was a long number one, but that was number one. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're waiting until February, you're already too late. But get on it. Number two, change your language. Um, think enslaved people versus slaves. Yes. Right? Like that is not their only identity. That was an 
identity ascribed to them, again, by whiteness, and they were not workers. So please stop telling your students that um, black people came over. And like worked the land. Yeah, were workers for the land. They were no. promised, no, they were stolen. Um, and enslaved. And okay? I think um, once you get to, sorry, just to jump no, no, in, go. once you get to high, when you start teaching the kids in high school, you can start having like these deeper conversations of even like modern day slavery now. Yeah, absolutely. Like what does that look like? Yep. So um, again, the transatlantic slave trade, that's another Google for you if you're still just saying slavery. If you are going to talk about the enslavement of um, people from Africa, then look at the transatlantic slave trade. And it involved the transportation of slave traders um, in, and them enslaving African people and them mainly coming to the Americas. So change your language is number two. Mm-hmm. And number three, move beyond I have a dream. Yes. Like, we all know he had a dream. <laughs> um, and also be aware that people who we put in these powerful positions are also flawed. So um, Martin Luther King, uh, Malcolm X, Rosa Parks were all people as well. So um, you cannot negate everything they've done based on kind of a few things. Like I remember seeing on somebody's Instagram post, well, Martin Luther King was a womanizer. Yeah, for sure. Bring it up then. Like that's part of the the experience and part of the um, part of his life that you then need to unpack. Like no one is saying he's perfect, but we are saying the ideology behind his um, behind the civil rights movement and behind those things are important things to discuss in your classroom. Yeah, I was going um, to to that point. I'd say like it's similar to when we are now flipping this discussion of the European settlers in Canada and saying like, hey, look at the evil things these guys did when they got here. Right. So it's not just, you know, yay, treaties are signed and people are giving um, food and um, tools to help cultivate their land. It was like, no, no, no. These guys were handing out smallpox pillows. And (laughs) sorry, it's like it's a nervous laugh for me because I'm always anytime it's brought up, I'm all in my head. I'm always like, who in their right mind said, yeah, let's go ahead, pour this, this (laughs) smallpox on blankets and go, yeah, we're going to give them to you to keep warm as we take away your land and take and start killing all of the animals for their fur. You know, those same animals that you were already using to keep yourself warm. Yeah, hella evil. Like evil. Yeah. So we, the same way that we're now talking about the other side of our Canadian history or our settling of the Americas mm-hmm. is the same thing that you can do when we're talking about black history. Black history has some very empowering people but these same empowering people they do have their flaws and people have different views on um, their ideologies as they were coming up absolutely and so when I was looking at moving beyond Martin Luther King and beyond I have a dream um, I thought about some things that you might want to look into with your students so have you heard of Black Wall Street like Mm -hmm. um, if you didn't even know that a black Wall Street existed? That's something for you to Google. Um, have you looked at LGBTQ plus rights in the black community? Looking at Marsha P. Johnson and the Stonewall riots? Like, um, I think often because there is so much uh, homophobia in the black community, to be honest, like, I'm not going to lie here, that it gets um, kind of pushed by the wayside. But Again, we exist in all communities, so it is a great place to start with some of those more um, hidden, I guess, Mm -hmm. or purposely buried, as I was trying to say earlier, um, 
kind of things that have happened in in black history. Oh, yeah, and um, as much as, like, just with us talking and how we've said at all times that these are all things that you can bring into whatever classroom, it's something like Black Wall Street can be brought up in a math class. Those are my snaps again. <laughs> right? Something like Black Wall Street doesn't have to only stay during the history 40 minutes in the language teacher's class. Mm-hmm. So you can... As long as you are, I guess, trying to do your research and stay informed, and again, if you are starting in September, then you have more time to expand on these different things and introduce these different ideas. Mm -hmm. Then when February comes and everybody is celebrating, your kids would have been getting um, all of this knowledge from six months prior. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of you trying to cram it into the shortest month of the year. Uh, Yeah, I agree. And then you have to think that that also leaves you time to talk about other cultures. If you are like, ah, I got to get all the black stuff in in February, you're also missing out on other cultures as well. So enabling yourself to kind of infuse all of these experiences, as Andre was saying in the last episode, into everything you do is so valuable. And also... I I don't remember if we touched on this in one of the episodes, but think about what your classroom looks like year round. How are your students represented in the way they see themselves in your classroom? Um, Andre and I both have these awesome cartoon posters up and I'll try and throw it up on our Instagram if I can remember where we got them. Okay. Um, But they're all cartoon characters with quotes on them. And again, a lot of them were white. So I picked (laughs) out kind of a mix of whoever I could... uh, like ascertain was kind of different like not saying that there's no white people in there i love audrey hepburn as much as the next person so she is up there and jk rowling but um i also you know picked out malala yousafzai and uh michelle and barack obama and simone biles and and made sure that they were represented in my classroom yeah for me i made sure that usain bolt was up there yeah so because i don't get to display my jamaican heritage all that much (laughs) in my classroom so you did it last week with the bop 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 (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, again, back to our topic of, okay, like, what do I do? So what yeah. would you what would you suggest that people kind of do if we're going to be, if we're following our um, blueprint of starting in September and not waiting until February? Okay, what, what are some things that I can do? What are some things I can bring into the classroom? Okay, so I always recommend starting with a book. Um, and there are so many, but here's what I will say about choosing a book for your classroom. I'm not going to give you a specific book. Um, this week, I'm going to give you homework. Uh huh. Homework. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to ask you to do when you are choosing books for your classroom. If we go back to last week's discussion about culturally responsive um, pedagogy and you know choosing books that kind of showcase everybody, I want you to think about the following things: who is represented in the texts that you choose for your classroom. So when you're choosing a book, who's represented in this book? But then I also want you to think about who's left out of this narrative. So who is not represented in this book and why? And what message is it delivering? Um, I want you to also think about the subjects that are represented. So what is it talking about? Are you only reading books about enslaved people in your classroom? Like, are we talking about scientists and... um, you know, the first self-made millionaire, Madam C.J. Walker. Um, And who wrote the book? That's really important. I am a big advocate of own voices texts. That means that the person who wrote it um, has the experience, the lived experience to write from that perspective. So it's not, you know, me as a mixed race woman writing about um, a 
cis gender white hetero male you know what i mean like mm-hmm. I'm writing from my perspective about things that I know. When you are choosing books for the week, follow that criteria. So yeah, your homework for the week is to figure out how to choose your own book. And that's the bell. So we're going to wrap up this episode. Again, if you are looking to listen to any of our other episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Teachers Like Us and follow our um link in our bio there absolutely and we'll see you guys next week for another episode peace out i cringe a little time every time um I can't speak. Black issue comes up. Help me. <laughs> <laughs>